In the name of our risen Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Hallelujah. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. You know, no matter how many times I hear and or say those words and hear that response, it never really gets old. And there's something that is simply so exciting about saying those words and hearing them when people say them back to you. It's a special thing that is part of our lives and part of our great celebration. And one of the reasons that I think I never get tired of hearing that phrase is because what happens when we say those words? In fact, there are two really cool things happening. One of them is that we are confessing what we believe. So the person who says it first is confessing. I am saying that I believe that Jesus is risen. And when you say it back, your response, or when you respond to someone, you are sharing the good news of what you believe. You're sharing the good news that you believe that Jesus is alive. And there's something simply special about this idea that we share in our words together in this confession and all that we believe. And I've always loved that on Easter Sunday, you don't even have to say hi to someone. You can simply say that greeting. You can say Christ is risen and they will say he is risen indeed, hallelujah, and then just keep going on your merry way. I saw it all last week, and I'm sure many of you got to experience it as you walked through the commons, as you uh, waited in line for your coffee and your donuts, which is even more reason to celebrate, right? And then, of course, uh, perhaps as you went home and celebrated throughout the rest of the day. In fact, uh, there was one person who even greeted me as I was heading into the men's room. I'd never been so excited to wash my hands before. It was so joyful. What a great experience. What a great thing uh, to share with one another. There's something to be said when we hear those words, there's just this infectious Easter joy and celebration. And no matter how many times you said those words last Sunday, it never really feels like you could say them enough. And then a week goes by, and we kind of tuck them back into our church pockets. And uh, we wait until the next Easter or uh, randomly throughout the year when pastor drops that line in one of his sermons. And I've heard that some pastors do this as a way over the course of the year to, you know, make sure that people are listening or awake. Now, I haven't done that yet, and we're only one Sunday removed, but you've all been warned, okay? And uh, interestingly enough, I found that I said those words this morning as we begin for two, uh, in fact, important and special reasons. One of them being, uh, today is still an Easter celebration. In fact, uh, for people who follow the Orthodox Christian calendar, today is actually Easter. And the group of people here at St. Andrew who are heavily impacted by that are our Ethiopian and Amharic outreach ministry. And so this past Friday, when they gather for their worship services, they celebrated and celebrated and celebrated. In fact, yesterday uh, we had a youth event, and I asked the youth, oh man, how was it last night? How was your celebration? He goes, Pastor, my feet hurt. And I was like, well, I mean, what happened? She was like, we sang and we sang and we sat and we sit and my feet hurt. I was like, isn't that so exciting? Isn't it so great? She was like, Pastor, my feet hurt. I was like, okay, I get it. Still celebrated, but it, it was a good day. And so uh, we joined them in their voices and in their celebration. And they joined us last week and they'll continue to celebrate with us today. But a second reason that I find it so important to begin that way is because in our story from John's gospel, we are taken back to Easter. See, this morning, we get the second half of the Easter afternoon. We get to hear what the rest of Easter day was like and what it was like for the disciples. 
And in doing so, in hearing these words from John, our eyes are open to see that it wasn't exactly the celebration that we all had when we celebrated last week. At least, that's not how it started out. See, John's gospel picks up right where we ended, beginning at verse 19. And he says, When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples met were locked for fear of the Jews. So that first Easter evening, that afternoon, was initially filled with fear for the disciples. John's gospel tells us that they were meeting in a house, and and some say in an upper room, and they locked the doors because they were afraid. Afraid of the Jews, afraid of what might happen. And uh, the thing about it is we get more details about this so-called fear, about why they are afraid, if you look at the story in Matthew's gospel. Matthew starts to lay out what's really going on. See, what Matthew tells us is that there were Roman soldiers guarding the tomb. And apparently the soldiers were also witnesses to Jesus appearing to Mary and the women at the tomb. And when the soldiers saw this, they were obviously terrified, but they ran back to the chief priests. And they told the chief priests about what they had seen, and the chief priests told them to lie. Chief priest told them, go and tell, spread the word that the disciples of Jesus moved the stone and that they stole his body to fake the resurrection. And so as the disciples are gathered on this afternoon, they've probably heard this word and now they're afraid. They have seen what an angry mob did to Jesus and now they're wondering, well, we all know what could happen to us. We could perhaps get arrested or maybe even die. And so when we look back on that first Easter afternoon, we're brought into this extreme sense of fear and anxiety. For the disciples, it was a day that was filled with all kinds of of confusion, because in any moment, they weren't sure what was going to happen. And they had done nothing wrong. They knew that the word that was spreading was a lie. But think about it. Put yourself in their shoes for just a moment. Three days ago, they had seen what a lie could do. They had seen how a lie and an innocent man had to suffer and die because of a lie. And so obviously, they're concerned. They're afraid of how the injustice that happened to their Lord, their master, their friend, could possibly happen to them too. And yet as the story goes on, uh, John invites us to see perhaps a little bit more of what's going on here, that there is something really driving this fear. Of course, uh, on the one hand, you have the fear of death, but there's something more to it. Something deeper is really happening here. And we see this in the midst of the story continuing in the life of one of the disciples. See, uh, as the story continues, we're introduced to Thomas, the only disciple who wasn't there on that first afternoon. And we're told this because we all kind of hear and know perhaps that famous story of doubting Thomas. And we're told that what happens is Thomas wasn't there, but later on he shows up, later on in the week perhaps, and and the disciples tell him, we have seen the Lord. And Thomas then says kind of those famous words, unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. And while Thomas is the only one who actually says those words, based on how John tells this story, it would seem that all of the disciples were feeling this same way. Because if you look back at what happens, it says that Jesus appears behind these locked doors, and the first thing he says is, peace be with you. And then John tells us 
that Jesus shows the disciples his hands and his side. And then they rejoiced because they had seen the Lord. So as John tells the story, it's not until after they have seen the hands and after they have touched the side that then they believe. Then they know that they have seen the Lord and then they rejoice. Thomas was just asking for the same thing that they had already received. And in Luke's gospel, this story is told in a really interesting way because it says that when they saw him, when they saw Jesus, the disciples on that day, they thought he was a ghost. And so they're filled with fear for all kinds of reasons, and Jesus even asked them, why do you doubt? And so it would seem on that first Easter evening, while the eyewitnesses had a different kind of feeling, when they're all gathered together, this this group of Jesus' closest followers, they are filled with fear for their lives, and yet a fear that is driven because they simply aren't sure if they believe. The disciples, the closest followers of Jesus, didn't believe that he had risen from the dead. Or at the very least, they were struggling to believe. They were confused by everything that had happened. They had been with him over these last uh, four days and over this last week and over these last three days in this intense journey. And the last time they saw Jesus, he was dead. And so now, they're not really sure if they believe. If they believe all that they've heard. And so individually and collectively, they find themselves wrestling with this one specific question. Do I believe that Jesus has risen from the dead? So what about you? What do you believe? Do you believe that Jesus has risen from the dead? Do you ever find yourself wrestling with that question? Maybe you do, maybe you don't. Maybe uh, you don't question the resurrection itself as much as you wonder or question uh, the impact that it has on your daily life. See, because a week ago, we were celebrating. We were rejoicing, singing praises. We were giving thanks. The whole day was about the fact that Jesus has risen from the dead. But then that day came to a close. And Monday morning, your alarm went off, and you hit it, And then you hit it again and again, a few times. And then you got out of bed and and you turned on uh, the news. Or you picked up the paper and you started reading about what had happened. Or you looked at social media and, and just like that, the celebration quickly faded away. And as the week went on, life got busy, life got crazy and twisted and turned in all kinds of ways. And just like that, the celebration was seemingly no longer there. It was, it was as if uh, you began to wonder, does the resurrection actually change anything about my life? It's not so much that you don't believe in it, but perhaps you wonder, did he really rise from the dead? Because sometimes when we talk about the resurrection, it doesn't feel like the resurrection has changed my life. And uh, maybe, maybe like the disciples, you too are filled with fear. Not fear of persecution, but fear because, like the disciples, you've seen the darkness. You've seen uh, the darkness in the world around you. You've seen uh, the darkness in your own life and in the lives of the people you love. You've experienced the fragility of life and the brokenness of the world around you. And that, all that you have seen, has filled you with fear and causes you to question whether or not you believe or what it is that you believe. 
There's even a sense in which the further away we get from the resurrection, the more we question whether we believe in it or whether or not it changes our lives. And if you've ever felt that way before, if you've ever wrestled with this question or you're wrestling with it right now, I want to invite you to hear the words that Jesus speaks. The same words that he said to the disciples on that first Easter evening. Peace be with you. The first thing that Jesus says when he appears behind those locked doors to his disciples who are filled with fear is peace be with you. Jesus speaks a word of peace right into the midst of their fear and their anxiety. And with his speaking of these words, he shows them the marks in his hands and in his sides. And their fear and anxiety, their doubt and their unbelief are turned into shouts of praise and rejoicing. Shouts of of confession. Confession that what they believe is true. That they now know what they believe. Their sorrow, their doubt, their sadness is turned into exuberant and extraordinary joy. Jesus speaks these words of peace, and Jesus gives to them something that only he can give, a peace that the world cannot give, his peace. And when Jesus speaks these words, it changes everything. All of their feelings and their emotions of sadness, sorrow, fear, anxiety, all of them have gone away. Jesus speaks this word of peace so that they no longer doubt, but so that they believe. And so it is that Jesus does the same thing for me and for you. He comes into our lives. He comes into the midst of the darkness. He steps right into it all. And he says, peace be with you. Peace be with you. Do not doubt, but believe. And when Jesus speaks these words to me and to you, there are two incredibly powerful things happening. The first one is rather clear and obvious. Jesus is giving us his peace. He's giving us a gift that nothing in this world can give. The peace that comes through him and his resurrection. And the second thing is a little more subtle and yet just as powerful. The second thing that happens here, when Jesus speaks these words, we experience the power of the word to bring us to faith. We experience the power of the word of God to bring us to believe. And we see that happening throughout this entire story. Think about it. We had the disciples who who gathered together and they have the eyewitness accounts. They've heard about Mary seeing the empty tomb. They know that Peter and John themselves ran there and saw the empty tomb as well. But it's not until after the fact when we hear John say that he remembered what the scripture had said and so he believed. The physical evidence, the empty tomb, the stone rolled away, the cloths being wrapped up, all of that was part of the story and yet it's not until they hear the word of God, until they hear Jesus speak to them that they believe. It was Jesus joining them in that room on that night and speaking right into their lives that led them to believe. And that's exactly what Jesus does for us. That's exactly what Jesus continues to do for me and to you. Each and every day he invites us to listen to his word. Jesus speaks to us through his word. 
He invites us to hear all that he has to say. To believe in his peace. To believe in his promises. To believe in his resurrection. To believe that the resurrection of Jesus changes everything. On that first Easter afternoon, the celebration wasn't exactly what we all perhaps think it should have been. At least, not right first. But as we heard, when Jesus speaks, everything about the disciples' lives has changed. Their, their mourning, their sadness, it turns into joy. The celebration then unfolds for them. Jesus shows up and tells them to believe. And a week later, they gather again in the same house, and a new disciple perhaps is with them, and he asks Jesus what he wants to see, and Jesus says the same thing. He shows him again, he speaks his words, and that disciple too comes to believe. It's a week later for me and for you. It's been a week since Easter. You and I have come and gone and seen what a week looks like. And yet, here we are, gathered together once again. And Jesus is here. Jesus comes to me and to you, and once again, he speaks those words. He says, peace be with you. Whatever you've brought into this place, whatever you brought into this house of worship, whatever you're carrying, Jesus speaks his peace right here and now into your life. He invites you to hang on to his words, to believe and receive all that he has for you. And by believing in him and in his name and in his glorious resurrection, you too will see that Jesus is alive. And that changes everything. And so it's fitting. It's fitting then that we share that good news with one another. That we raise our voices, that we sing out our praise, and we confess what we believe as we tell one another what it is that we're so excited about today. Hallelujah! Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Amen. As we continue in worship, I invite you to stand as you are able as we confess our faith.